Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ, let me ask you, what's the point in having a Lord and a Savior if we do not listen, follow, nor obey him? What's the point in having someone die a horrific, bloody, brutal, violent death, incurring the wrath of God on our behalf, paying our sin debt in full on a Roman rugged cross on Calvary's hill, If we could still live in debauchery, fornication, masturbation, pornography, adultery, sorcery, covetousness, lasciviousness, division, strife, gossip, stealing, lying, murder, slandering, whoremongering, and the like. Huh? Come, beloved, why should we call anyone our Lord and Savior and still live in these lifestyles? Cultivating a life that is characterized by sin. Again, what is the point of holy God stepping out of heaven to die for the sins of the world if we could still live however we want, however sinful we want, and still inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved, listen up. The Lord Jesus Christ has rules and he has commandments. And he has consequences that if we as branches do not remain abiding in him 
as he is the vine, we will become withered, just like a withered, broken branch that falls off and will be thrown into the fire to be burned. Amen. Let us ponder these things as we pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy, righteous, merciful name. In the name of Jesus, Father, I come to you with a sincere and contrite heart. Father, my soul is grieved today only because I know some of your children are wayward and have lost their way. And you are sending out your men of God, women of God, your prophets, your handmaidens and sons to bring your children of light back home to you through the preaching of your word. Oh, Father, through sound counsel and holy correction, may they repent. May they repent, Father. Thank you for your patience and your mercy. Father, may we take a look at your word to see what faithfulness is all about in Christ Jesus and the consequence of not remaining faithful and enduring until unto death. Psalm 119.2 Blessed and favored by God are those who keep his testimonies and who consistently seek him and long for him with all their heart. Amen. Father, that one, that one is blessed and favored by you. Amen. Hallelujah. Revelation 3 verses 1 through 11 to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a name, a reputation that you are alive, but in reality, you are dead. Wake up and strengthen and reaffirm what remains of your faithful commitment to me, which is about to die. For I have not found any of your deeds completed in the sight of my God or meeting his requirements. So remember and take to heart the lessons you have received and heard. Keep and obey them and repent. Change your sinful way of thinking and demonstrate your repentance with new behavior that proves a conscious decision to turn away from sin. Amen. Oh, Father, 
how great thy art. Father, we see over here in Revelation chapter 3, but if we go back up to chapter 1 at the tail end, we see the Lord Jesus Christ telling John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, when he received this revelation, we see him in chapter 1, verses, let's see, verses 12. Because John is telling us what was happening. He says over here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when i turned and when i turned i saw seven golden lap lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest the hair on his head was white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. So, Father, we see the backdrop of Revelation chapter 3. So, if we pick it back up, leaving off from verse 3. So remember and take to heart the lessons you have received and heard. Keep and obey them and repent. Change your sinful way of thinking and demonstrate your repentance with new behavior that proves a conscious decision to turn away from sin. So then, if you do not wake up, oh, Father, I know many 
in the apostate church don't want to believe that your promises have any strings attached to them, meaning that they are just unconditional. It is for everybody, even if you are still living wayward, even if you are still living in sin, but your word has conditions to the promises. And we see it by the word, if. So, Father, back over here, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying in in context to the church in Sardis, but it applies to the church as a whole. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you still have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. That is contaminated their character and personal integrity with sin. And they, they will walk with me dressed in white because they are worthy, righteous. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God will accordingly be dressed in white clothing. And I will never blot out his name from the book of life. And I will confess and openly acknowledge his name. His name. He who, Father, the one that is not contaminated with worldly, lustful character. The one who actually has personal integrity. That's the one whose name will be confessed openly by Jesus to you, Father, and before your angels, saying that he is one of mine. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Verse 7, this is the message to Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of the Holy One, the True One, He who has the key to the house of David, He who opens and no one will be able to shut, and He who shuts and no one opens. I know your deeds. See, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. For you have a little power and have kept my word and have not renounced or denied my name. Take note. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know without any doubt that I have loved you. Verse 10, because, because 
you have kept the word of my endurance, my command to persevere, I will keep you safe from the hour of trial. That hour which is about to come on the whole inhabited world to test those who live on the earth. Verse 11, I am coming quickly. Hold tight what you have so that no one will take your crown by leading you to renounce the faith. Amen. Father, I ask for wisdom today. May your Holy Spirit, as he wills, be operational in my life today. Father, I pray for the saints that we remain faithful and stay close to the Lord Jesus in these last days, in this last dark hour. As we know his coming is fastly approaching, may we stick close to him, stay close to your word, and live a life that produces fruits of our repentance. Bless your holy name, Father. Thank you for salvation. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for sending Holy Spirit to sanctify and consecrate us so that we may obey Jesus Christ who lived a sinless, perfect life. He is our example in righteousness and holiness and obedience. Hallowed be your holy name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen, amen, glory be to the most high God who saved this wretched soul from certain damnation to him be the glory, both now and forevermore, amen. All right, brothers and sisters. According to Matthew 24, verses 42 to 51, we, as the bride of Christ, must be ready for his coming. The Lord Jesus Christ over here in this chapter was giving the disciples signs of his return that we, that we all, must also heed. Yeah, beloved, because see, I'm pausing because number one, I'm, I'm trying to stay on track here. But there are so many in the body of Christ following a false doctrine. It's called something like kingdom gospel, something another. I try to stay away from a lot of false doctrine, but sometimes I must delve into them to see what they talking about. Because the whole premise 
without getting into it is all about how we don't have to obey Jesus of the Old Testament, but that we obey Jesus of the New Testament. Like as if there are two different Jesus, Jesuses, like the disciples, his disciples who actually walk with him, they were under another gospel. But that how we are under another gospel. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, because Paul says, if anybody comes to you with another gospel, may they be cursed, damned to hell. So, beloved, back over here, right? In Matthew 24, we see the Christ giving his disciples signs of his return and these signs are for us today too we must also heed to those signs and be ready because in verses 42 to 51 of this chapter matthew 24 the lord says so be alert give strict attention be cautious and active in faith for you do not know which day, whether near or far, your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the head of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you who follow me must also be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him amen yes holy spirit that statement alone give me pause to think at an hour we don't expect him so what are you doing that you are not ready for him. At what hour are we talking about here? Because for the Lord to say, I'm coming at an hour when you do not expect him, that must mean he's coming at an hour when you are not ready. So what you doing? Why aren't you ready? Because he's talking to his disciples, telling them, to be alert, give strict attention, be cautious and active in your faith. He's telling us how to be ready. Because when we are ready like this, whenever he comes, it won't be a surprise to us. It won't catch us off guard doing something we know we ain't got no business doing. I'm telling you, beloved, insight, insight. So after I finish this, I'm going to get to what we really talking about today. So verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the others in the house their food and supplies at the proper time. Blessed is that 
faithful servant. That faithful servant. Uh huh. When his master returns and find him doing so, the Lord Jesus says, "I assure you." And most solemnly say to you that he will put him, that one, that one who was doing what the master told him to do because he's coming. So in the meantime, in between time, he's doing all that the master told him to do and he will be rewarded for it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I assure you. He's like, I give you my word. I swear to it. I vow to it. I declare, I'm telling you, please be reassured. Reassured. That one. Back over here, where we leave off. Verse 46, Matthew 24. Uh, Matthew 40. Nah, verse 47. Now, I could read 46 if you want me to read it again. Let's read it again. Blessed is that faithful servant. When his master returns and finds him doing so, I assure you and most solemnly say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if, see, beloved, I know it may sound it may sound like one don't have faith or they may not trust in all what Jesus promises to always say but it is conditional but Cynthia if you say that then then that means we are not standing in faith no it doesn't no it does not at all. We reading it in red for a reason. The Lord is being conditional with this promise and rightly so. Listen, this is not a blanket free for all for just any old wayward child who don't want to listen, who don't want to follow and, and who don't want to obey. And these are they that will tell you in a minute, but grace, grace, and more grace. All we have to do is just believe. And beloved, let me tell you something. From, from personal experience with these individuals who claim all we got to do is believe. Once saved, always saved. We have eternal security. Let me tell you something. These are they that are adulterers, slanderers, liars, and this is what they do in public. Ain't no telling all what they do behind, behind closed doors. Oh, beloved, listen, let no one deceive you. Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us. Like he said over there in Revelation, those who... Yeah, Revelation, those who have ears, let them hear. Listen. But 
if that servant is evil. Now, keep in mind, he's talking about a servant. One who for all intents and purposes listens to the master, right? At one time, they were faithful to him. They obeyed everything the master told them to do. The master is still, check it out. He's still calling him a servant. Because when when we get into the high sounding nonsense about eternal security, they keep saying you it, it's not possible for you to lose your salvation or go rogue. Because if you do go rogue, that means you were never born again anyway. No, 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 no. Now, that can be true because there are a lot of false converts running around the body of Christ. But I'm talking about what the Bible, what the Lord is talking about. He's talking about a servant who went evil. Yes. So, but if that servant is evil and says in his heart, my master, look, look, my master is taking his time. He will not return for a long while and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. Oh, beloved, please let us wake up today because many who have gone wayward and who who heaps upon themselves these false teachers to tickle the ear with the high-sounding nonsense that you can live however you want. You can live as a drunkard. You can live as an abuser, a slanderer, a homosexual, even as an unbeliever. But because you made some confession for Christ, you have eternal security, beloved it will do us all well to follow the voice and heed to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because, beloved, your bishop will not has not been given the authorization, number one, to judge sins. Number two, stand before the Father as the judge to defend you in any kind of way and confess your name before the Father and his angels. I know some of these bishops think they have been given such authorization and authority. They are deceived. Yes, they are. So, back over here. Matthew 24, verse 48, but if that servant, no, no, verse 49, talking about this evil servant and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come, see, See, on a day when he does not expect him, yeah, I'm quite sure as this servant 
is getting drunk down at the local bar. Yeah, he wasn't expecting the master to come back then. So, when he does not expect him, and at an hour of which he is not aware, and will cut him in two and put him with the hypocrites. Oh, yes. In that place, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. Amen. So, anybody from that camp, can you please explain away what the Lord is just telling us? He's going to put his servant who still calls him master. Just like over there in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles all in his name? And Jesus will say to them, just like he's about to do to this one over here, he said, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. And see, he is demonstrating what it looks like when these so-called professing servants of his, when they turn to evil and drunkenness in particular, he calls them hypocrites. Yes, 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 Holy Spirit. Because see, over there in Matthew 7, he's calling them hypocrites too. Because he is bypassing all of that Lord, Lord coming out of that mouth. But their hearts, obviously, if they are workers of iniquity, were far from him. And so just like this deceived servant over here, that when his master comes, oh, now the master is master. Uh-huh. But I caught you down at the bar. I caught you beating up your fellow servants. I can only imagine the Lord is like, don't play with me. I caught you red-handed. So... He says he will place them with the hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? Mm-mm. So, he says he will cut him in two and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. Amen. And then the Lord goes into chapter 25. He goes on to give the parable of the ten virgins. Five were ready and five were not. And those who were not could not enter into the wedding banquet. Why? Why, beloved? Because they were not ready. They didn't keep their lamps ready with enough oil because the bridegroom came at night when it was least expected 
Listen, follow what the Lord is saying. Maybe those five foolish virgins thought that he would come in the day. And so they were half ready. Look, they had a lamp. They had some oil, but not enough of the oil. Uh, uh, uh. Beloved, all I can say is wow, because this is sobering for all of us, because we can get caught up in the cares of our lives, striving to make a better way for ourselves and have this half-hearted eye on the Lord's return. We're going to miss him. We are going to miss our hour of visitation. Oh, beloved. I wasn't going to go into chapter 25. I made a little note here that we must. Let me see how much. I don't know. Maybe, maybe toward the end. We can go into chapter 25 because the Lord wrote these words for our benefit. And if we don't spend time in it, meditating on it, pondering it over, it will be, listen, it will be so easy to get trapped and lost in what's going on around us in the present that we lose focus of eternity because beloved that's where the soul will go once it leaves its body suit and who wants to spend all of eternity tormenting in the lake of fire listen i know i don't want to and i know you don't either so Let us just come over here to verse, I mean, to chapter 25 and study what our Lord, our risen King wrote before he went to the cross to die for our sins and resurrecting on the third day. Come on. This is the parable of 10 virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is still talking to his disciples and us today about the signs of his return and then he's going into these different parables about being ready and and about how if you get caught not being ready what's gonna happen to you thank you holy spirit so here he is giving another parable of 10 virgins then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the and to meet the uh, slow down girl slow down then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom five of them were foolish thoughtless silly and careless and five were wise, far-sighted, practical, and sensible. 
For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all began to nod off and they fell asleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then, then all of the virgins got up and put and put their own lamps in order, trimmed the wicks and added oil and lit them. But the foolish virgin says, said to the wise, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, uh-uh. Otherwise, there will be not enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy oil for yourselves. But while, verse 10 but while they were going away to buy oil, guess what happened? Uh-huh. The bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And guess what happened? The door was shut and locked. Later, verse 11, Matthew, yep, Matthew 25. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I do not know you. See, beloved, see how this is still tying into Matthew 7 about these prophets talking about Lord, Lord, just like just like he told those prophets over there, depart from me. I never knew you. You are a worker of iniquity. Well, in this parable, it got the same theme going. Those who keep calling him Lord, Lord, but ain't ready to receive their Lord. Why? Why? Because see, beloved, see, this is what we dealing with today. Why aren't you ready? You keep saying, Lord, Lord. And, and he's telling us. He's sure enough telling us that when he comes, it's going to be at an hour when in particular his professing servants are not even ready what you mean you're not ready huh okay later the others also came oh holy spirit and said lord lord open the door for us but he replied I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I do not know you. We have no relationship. Therefore, look, see verse 13. Therefore, be on the alert. Be prepared and ready. Again, for you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. Amen.
And then he goes on with the parable of the talents. Same situation. Same situation. There's a lazy servant over there. Not doing what he was supposed to do. What else? Oh, 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 oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's come down to verse 29, okay? For to everyone who who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. And he will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance. But, uh, uh, uh. I keep telling you, condition, condition, condition. But from the one who does not have, because he has ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God, even what he does have will be taken away and thrown out. And no, no, no. Verse 30 and throw out the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place of grief and torment there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger amen so tell me again how we have eternal security Just because I said a sinner's prayer, just because, look, taken completely out of context, Romans 10 verses 9 through 10, that I said in my heart, Jesus is Lord. No, 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 no. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Therefore, I'm saved. Beloved, again, I don't have time today to expound further how that has been misinterpreted and made out to be some doctrine of a sinner's prayer, which it is not at all. So here we are, the judgment. Verse 31, that's what I was, I was getting ready to say. Tell me again how we have eternal life when the Lord is going so out of his way with these parables to wake us up so that we can be on the alert of his coming, that if he finds us not doing what is right and not using the blessings and the gifts that he has given to us, but rather here we are eating and drinking with the drunkards, being so not ready for his return, we don't even have enough oil. And and then we're going to wonder why the door to the ark, the door to the wedding banquet has been shut in our faces. Oh, beloved, be not deceived. Yes, it is comforting to know that If we live our lives according to Jesus' doctrine, yes, we will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, he will lift us up on the last day. Yes, when he returns, he shall give us, us whom, the ones that have been ready, 
who have washed their robes in his blood, who listened, followed, and obeyed him. Yes, he shall give us eternal life. Yes, listen, beloved, please do not misconstrue. I am not saying we won't ever have eternal life as if that's a myth. No, what's a fable and a myth is that we can live however we want and still get to go to heaven anyway. That's the fairy tale because the Lord is giving us enough insight into the kingdom. He told us this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So, verse 31, Matthew 25. Because see, this is all about the judgment. Listen, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and majesty and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, all the nations will be gathered before him for judgment and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right the place of honor and the goats on his left the place of rejection then the king will say to those on his right come Come, you blessed of my father, you favored of God, appointed to eternal salvation, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he goes on to talk about how he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was a stranger, and he was naked, and he was in prison, and that how the righteous did did not ignore him. And then he goes on to talk about those on the left. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, leave me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels, demons, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me with help and ministering uh, uh, care. Then they also, in their turn, will answer, Lord, look, see, here, here they go, still calling him Lord. Meanwhile, he has separated them as a goat. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or as a stranger? And then they go on and on with what the Lord told them, what they didn't do. And then he says to them in verse 45, I assure you and most solemnly say to you to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, my followers. You you did not do it for me. Then these unbelieving people will go away into eternal unending punishment, but those who are righteous 
and in right standing with God will go by his remarkable grace into eternal unending life. Amen. Glory be to the most high God. Amen. So, having said all of that, what we talking about today? Well, security is not a biblical doctrine. Mm. Mm. Beloved, listen. Some false religions have even have even made it a doctrine that there's a second chance for heaven after one has died. Well, we know that is simply a lie. There is no such place as a purgatory, no such happening as reincarnation, for the Bible tells us in, what is that, Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto men once, 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 to die, but after this, the judgment. Amen. And no, there is no entering some paradise with your seven virgins. No, Muhammad missed it. There's no such eternal security if you are still rolling around in sin. Listen, here we go again. We got to keep beating this horse. Listen, there is no such eternal security, air quotes. If you are still rolling around in sin, for those who may not know about this damnable dogma called eternal security, well, eternal security is the doctrine, albeit false, that simply states, once saved, always saved. This doctrine teaches. Okay, you ready for this madness? This doctrine teaches that once a person has been born again by trusting in Jesus as his personal savior, i.e. saved, he can never be eternally lost or or go to hell after his life has ended. No matter how far that person may backslide or live and die in unconfessed sin after his initial belief in Christ. This is what that doctrine teaches. Mm -hmm. It teaches that you can live a life of unconfessed sin you can live a life of pick a sin, homosexuality, lesbianism, murder and lying, stealing, all, listen, all in the name of Jesus. So you say you've been born again. Uh-huh. Beloved, to be born again means you have a new nature in Christ by the Holy Spirit. You will no longer, because of this new birth, and because God grants us repentance, 
You ain't even looking to do anything that will displease the Father like how we did in times past. How you want to live now is righteous, pleasing to the Father and peace, experiencing the kingdom, which is what? Peace, joy, righteousness. That's how you now want to live, and this is how you strive to live daily. You're not running around here trying to make excuses for living in sin, talking about, well, you know, Christ did it all for us at the cross, which he did. So you mean tell me because what he did for us, we get to throw what he did for us in his face? Talking about, yeah, Lord, Lord, but I'm going to still do me. What? You know, just on any atheist level, that don't even make any sense. Again, that's why I had to ask, why even have a Lord and a Savior and a Master and a Redeemer if you're still going to do you? What's the point? Oh, you don't want to go to hell. Okay, but how you are living you going to bust hell wide open. What you talking about? Oh, beloved. Listen, okay. This, this doctrine, right, claims that one act of faith in Christ at some time in a person's life guarantees. Ooh, look at that word. Uh-uh, guarantees heaven for them forevermore. Okay, so, um, because I personally haven't seen or heard it declared by these one savers, right? That they actually follow, listen, and obey Jesus Christ. Because, again, John... 10 27 to 30 talks about how Jesus points out explicitly expressly identifies to whom he will give this eternal life to so if you are living in fornication you you are living and shacking up with your fiance and y'all go to bed, still have sex, but you're not married. But both of y'all are professing Christians. You're not going to make it if you die in your fornication claiming his name. You will end up in that place that has been created for Satan and his demonic fallen angels. Okay. Yeah, so this madness, this madness claims that one act of faith in Christ at some time in a person's life guarantees them heaven forever. So, according to this doctrine, there is no way for a saved person to backslide and be lost. There is no way for you to lose your salvation. There is no way. 
according to the madness, there is no way to fall from grace. There is no such thing as losing out or going back on God with the consequence being that a person who was once saved goes to hell. Beloved, who do you think would come up with such a with with such a doctrine? I'm going to give you about 2 seconds. Who do you think would come up with such a teaching that we can be evil, wicked servants of God, not being prepared for Jesus' return, and still anyway have entrance into the wedding banquet. Who do you think came up with that foolishness? That would be Satan, beloved. And we see the birth of this madness back there in the Garden of Eden. God gave man, Adam, the command. He gave him a commandment and an instruction that if disobeyed, you shall surely die. And what did Satan say in the body of a serpent to Eve? No, you won't. No, you won't. And he got her with the 52 fake out like he's getting many with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, those same three temptations that emanated in the Garden of Eden that day is still what our adversary uses today on us. He tried it with Jesus, but it didn't work. When we follow Jesus, we follow his operation. All that he do, how he did it, when he did it, why he do it, well, we do it too. We follow the example of obedience that he laid out for us. Because see, what we don't do is make up our own doctrines, twist his doctrines in order to fit the narrative that you can confess him until you are blue in the face and live wayward and still, how we go, and still be guaranteed of heaven. Oh, beloved, you talk about hypocrisy. You talk about, what's the word I'm looking for? No, no, no. It's not you pride, audacity. You mean tell me you can live just as nasty, wicked with that spirit of Cain on you, slandering the brethren, just lying and mocking holy, righteous living, and just because you believe. You are a servant of God doing God's work and here you are acting like a fool. I said it, acting like a complete fool. And you say you are assured of heaven? 
No, beloved. Not possible. Not possible. Not what we just... No, not we, not, not what the, what Holy Spirit just ran us through those parables. He wanted us to have it in our hearings today so that we will be without an excuse on judgment day. Talking about, well, I didn't know that I was supposed to be ready I didn't know that it wasn't a good thing that to be eating and drinking among the uh, drunkards was such a bad thing. After all, Jesus is my Lord. Yeah, but how you living though? Because see, back over there in Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus wasn't hearing nothing about them calling him Lord. He went straight to the fruit. Yes, he did. He went straight to their lifestyles. Because all of this, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? As as you noticed, he mentioned nothing about prophecy. He mentioned nothing about healings. He mentioned nothing about casting out a demon. He mentioned nothing about miracles taking place in his name. No, he went straight to the relationship. He didn't have one with you. He doesn't have, listen, beloved. He does not have a relationship, a abiding, confident, loving relationship with anyone who do not listen, follow, nor obeys him. Because he says in Luke, why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't even listen. You don't even do nothing I tell you to do. Matter of fact, let's come over here to it. What I say, I know it's in Luke. Hold on. We do this in real time. I want to say Luke 6. Hold on. Wait a minute. Luke 6, 46. Hold on, let me see if my memory serves me right. Let's see. Come on. Yeah, see? Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Listen, verse 47. As for everyone who comes to me and hears and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Amen. I'm telling you, in Christ, our cognitive thinking becomes 
become so enloomed by Holy Spirit teaching us and guiding us, it makes sense. Because see, it's not making sense to those who who even fall. Listen, my hand is the first to be raised. Raised, I fell for the biggest lie going to. That I can disobey God, live in filth, have two adulterous remarriages, try to commit suicide on two occasion, occasions, still smoking weed, still dressing like a harlot, still have a potty mouth, still lying, still stealing, still being miserable and depressed, and still get to go to heaven. Okay. Beloved, listen. <clears throat> where were we? Where were we? Because see, right now, my my thoughts are shooting in so many different tangents that I'm gonna have to like funnel this all back to this one point. We must be ready to stand in eternity to meet our risen King, the Lord Jesus Christ, having lived a life of purity, holiness, godliness, and righteousness, being empowered by Holy Spirit to live such a life. Our focus was on hearing the shout, the bridegroom is coming. In the meantime, in between time, yes, we have jobs, we have families, we have businesses, we have secondary duties that the Lord has assigned us to do. Our primary duty is to serve him in his harvest, to reach the lost, to bring them the greatest news a fallen sinful man can ever hear, that God has made a way for sinners to be made right with him. When they place their faith in Jesus Christ, coming to him through sincere repentance, regretting their past lives, having a change of mind. No longer do they want to live wickedly and then end up in a burning hell as they await the final judgment. But because of Christ's atoning sacrificial death on the cross, he paid our sin debt with his, with his life. He, he took on the penalty for our wrongdoing, which is what? To be separated from God. And that's what happened on the cross that day on Calvary's hill. So now that we are in Christ, I'm talking about post-salvation. Because we know from scripture, there was nothing. Thing we could have done to earn 
a right standing place with God outside of Jesus Christ. It is a free gift. There's nothing we could have done to earn it. It's a free gift. But what are you doing with your free gift? Are you trampling all over it, beloved? Are you, have you put it in your drunk, in your junk drawer? And then you went back to Egypt, eating and drinking with drunkards, knowing, knowing the bridegroom is coming. And then when you see he's coming, here you go, asking, begging for the anointing. Mm-mm. <clears throat> No, beloved. Now that we are born again, the Bible is clear how we are to live as we await the coming of our Lord. Peter tells us over there in his books, we are to live godly and in holiness as we await the coming day of our Lord so that when he returns, that's when we get eternal life. So, back to the madness. According to eternal security, right? There's no way for a quote-unquote saved person. Beloved, see, I'm sorry. I, I keep interrupting myself. It's not me. It's Holy Spirit wanting us to be reminded. We ain't safe yet because people leave Jesus Christ. So all of this once saved, who said you were saved, sealed, and just go on, live how you want to live because heaven is waiting for you? Who's, who, listen, who from heaven? Because I don't care what you say, well, the pastor told me that, or the bishop told me that, or, or, Sister Melody, Brother Clarence told me that. No, no. Who from heaven? Show me in the scriptures that that we are, are safe from God's wrath on day one and on day two. I can go back to my filth and, and, and still go to heaven. After the Lord done gave us parable after parable about an, an evil servant. Who, who wasn't ready and, 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 and got himself caught up when the master returned and got the biggest whooping of his life, a.k.a. the lake of fire, the place where weeping and gnashing of teeth will be going down for all of eternity. Oh, beloved, because listen, okay? What else is coming out of this camp is that there is no such thing as apostasy. Once you are saved, you are preserved. Okay. Because see, I know this camp hates to even fathom that God's promises are conditional. For them, it is a comforting cushion that God will wink at their sins, turn a blind eye, and issue, no, not issue, usher, usher them into the kingdom anyway, 
even with unclean, filthy, dirty hands, that although they had more than enough opportunity to repent and and strive to enter through the narrow door and stay on the on the straight path that lead to eternal life they chose to heap upon themselves heretics to feed them this lie about a once saved I'm always saved no we are redeemed once Christ returns or we go by the way of the grave having lived a faithful servitude diligent devoted dedicated faithful life unto the Lord then then we receive eternal life then the fulfillment the culmination of this hope we had the whole time will be fulfilled then not on day one when when you shook the apostate's bishop's hand and he said welcome into the family what family not the family of god if if he don't check you a month later and you're still living with your homosexual lover. So, beloved, as we will see real quick from the word of God, his promises are conditional on us remaining faithful. Just use logic and your cognitive thinking for a moment why would he just give everybody a blanket of free grace and we can still go on living in sin and still be the recipients of his precious promises beloved the father's promised benefits are given to people as they meet the conditions stated or implied within that promise. In other words, God's promises, if you will, have strings attached. He does not make blanket promises that apply to everybody in every place for every time. His promises are for specific people who meet specific conditions and qualifications for that specific benefit that has been promised. Take for instance, okay, John 3.16, for example. The promise is that whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Beloved, there is a condition here that must be met before you can receive everlasting life. You must first believe in Jesus. Because if which specifies a condition if you believe in him then you will not 
perish. And you will have everlasting life. But if you, listen, if so facto, if you do not believe in him, then you will not have everlasting life and you will perish. Yes, let's take another example. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if, if we faint not. Amen. Beloved, the condition that must be met before the promise to reap can be fulfilled is that we must not faint. So again, if so facto, if we faint, then it follows that we shall not reap. Listen, beloved, the Bible is logically valid. Mm -hmm. Because most of these proponents of once saved, always saved today, listen, they don't even bother with the with the historical origins of this false doctrine. But listen, they base, because I believe I am now hearing it all. I'm, I'm hearing so many twisted, misinterpreted verses about eternal life. It's not even funny. Again, please do not misconstrue anything that I'm talking about on this podcast. I am not saying that Christ will not give us eternal life, but there's a condition. It's, it's not to say that the Lord is lying about something or 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 he's intentionally trying to keep something from us or worse yet, he's trying to trip us up. No, just think about it. Listen, in the natural, when you get married to your covenant spouse, right? You are no longer a single person, right? Now that you are married, you are now in this new relationship. You now have a different way of thinking. You no longer think as a bachelor or a single woman. Could you imagine? Because sad to say this does happen, right? But just for this analogy real quick, let's just say you get married. You two have pledged to be monogamous. You're not going to cheat. He or she is not going to cheat. But what if you get it, get it into your thinking that because this marriage is for life, I can still live as a single person if I want to. And when you go out and commit adultery on your spouse... Do you have the right to say, well, this marriage is for life, so I can still live however I want to live. I can go out and flirt. I can go out and get phone numbers. I can go and sleep around. I can have as many friends, as many sexual friends of the opposite sex as I want to. 
I'm married for life. I'm good to go. Do you think your spouse will be pleased with your behavior? Because some aren't and they end up leaving their spouses because of this reckless behavior. Well, how much more so that the Lord tells us what he expects of us and that how we are to live until his return and we go poo-poo to that. I have eternal security. Oh, he must bring me into the kingdom. Oh, you think so, huh? I'm quite sure that evil servant over there in those parables of Matthew 25, I'm quite sure they they thought too that they can get into that wedding feast or 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 they will receive the blessings of God even though they call him Lord Lord but they don't do nothing he told them no that wicked servant does nothing the Lord told him to do because the Lord told us in the parable of those um two houses one was built on him the solid rock and one was built on the sand if you build your life on the sand, when a storm comes, a.k.a. judgment comes, you're going to perish. You're going to be destroyed. Destruction is heading your way. So, oh, that's what I, I, was, that's what I was talking about. I believe I done, I done heard it all. Just about. So listen real quick and then I'm going to let you go. I want to touch on on four main popular arguments that these once savers have. Number one, the faithfulness and immutability. If I can get it out, the immutability of God in his promises and gifts. Number two, the analogy that spiritual birth and sonship is like natural birth and sonship. Number three, the one about how no one can pluck them out of his hand concept. Over there in John 10, 27 to 33. And number four, the saved by grace, not by works argument. So listen, regarding the faithfulness and the immutability if i can i don't know why i always have problems pronouncing that word but okay because see these proponents states that god is not an indian giver meaning that whatever god gives he gives forever he will never take his gifts back and here they go twisting Romans eleven twenty nine. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Since the gift of God is eternal life, according to Romans 6, 23, once he has given a soul eternal life, he will never take it back. They have that eternal life that that individual have eternal life forever, no matter how they have behaved since they received this eternal life. Again, 
We have not received eternal life now because if that's the case, then we will never die, beloved. We receive eternal life once Jesus returns to give it to us. Now, we can experience eternal life because he tells us over there in John 17, this is, e this is eternal life, that you know the Father and you know the Son. But as for us living eternally while still in this body suit, it's not going to happen. Why? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because of Hebrews 9.27, we're all going to die. If Christ doesn't return before then. So. <sighs> Number two. I'm, I'm just scrolling through all the notes that I have. <clears throat> Ain't no way I'm going to be able to get through all of this. Okay. So number two, right? The analogy of spiritual birth and sonship. Because see, this concept is, is about once a child is born into a family, it is always a member of that family. Because another saying of once saved, always saved, is once I'm in the family, I'm always in the family. Okay, well, this is another linchpin doctrine of eternal security that we can only be naturally born into this world once. We can only be born again into God's kingdom once. Once a person is born again as a child of God, they are in his family forever. Being a bad child, even a disgraceful child, does not remove them from the family. So the reasoning goes. This would not at first appear to be faulty to be faulty reasoning, but all spiritual reasoning needs some kind of validation or confirmation from scripture. And there, beloved, are no verses to support such reasoning. Who said that the spiritual family is in this respect like the natural family? Because they are very different. In the natural family, babies are born into babies are born into it without any choice of their wills. But one who is born into the spiritual family without making a deliberate choice. No, no, no. Back that up. But no one is born into the spiritual family without making a deliberate choice to receive Christ. Listen, our wills enters the equation in the spiritual birth. Therefore, it follows that our wills must play a part in whether we remain part of the spiritual family. Listen, we do not enter the spiritual family against our will, nor do we remain a member of the spiritual family against our will. In the New Testament, we have examples of men who did not choose to remain a part of the spiritual family. And the scripture records they lost out with God, Judas. John 17, 12, 
None has been lost but the son of perdition. Amen. Beloved, evidently Judas had once been found or saved. One cannot lose something that was never possessed. Another example is Hymenius, Philetus, and Alexander over there in 1 Timothy 1, 19-20. Some have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenius and Alexander. Amen. 2 Timothy 2, 17 and 18 talks about among them are Hymenius and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. Amen. They willingly did this. They obviously had at one time possessed true faith, but put it away. They wandered away from it. They wrecked it and even blasphemed it away. Down in verse 20 tells us that they are not still saved, beloved. So number three, which is my all-time personal favorite, no man can pluck them out of my hand. This verse, John 10, 27 to 28, is probably the most quoted scripture used to support eternal security. The Lord Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them to me gave them me is great excuse me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand amen so of course this verse is indeed comforting and assuring which we who actually truly follow Jesus, we have comfort that because of our obedience, he will give us eternal life. And no man, because to keep it in context, because he was talking about those false teachers, no man, no false teacher coming with the high sounding nonsense can pluck us from him because we know Jesus' voice and we know he he ain't, listen, he ain't never talked about a once you saved, you're always saved. Just go on and live your life however you want. No, he set the pattern for us over there in John 8, 11. Once we, now, no, now that we have been forgiven, we go, comma, and sin no more. So, first of all, Lord Jesus is talking about his sheep. His sheep have several characteristics that constitute the conditions required for this promise. In verse 27, he says that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Amen. Then he promised them eternal life. 
So the condition is to be one of his sheep, which means that you hear his voice. Amen. So to hear his voice, listen, the concept of of hearing his voice is listening to him, heeding all that he teaches and obeying him. Because then he says, I know them. That is, he and his sheep are in fellowship and communion together. They share in the same spirit. Listen, sin breaks fellowship with God. Study 1 John chapter 1. Study 2 Corinthians 6.14. Sin breaks fellowship with God and iniquity and doing your own thing causes Jesus to say, I do not know you. Again, I'm quoting Matthew 25, 12. And lastly, he says, they follow me. Amen. So in other words, they are his disciples. They imitate him. They obey him. They they do what he tells them to do. And he goes where he tells them to go. Following Christ Jesus means that they have denied themselves and taken up their crosses. Study Matthew 16, 24. Beloved, this by definition is a sheep of Jesus Christ. And this is who he promises that cannot no man pluck out of his hand. Last but not least, the old saved by grace, not by works argument. Listen, another main argument for eternal security is that which says, since we, since we did not receive salvation by works, we cannot be, we cannot be kept. What did I, what is this I, I got down here? We cannot keep or maintain salvation by works. This is what they teach. Beloved, Paul was talking about we cannot earn salvation by works of the law. Mm-hmm. What I got for you. Yeah. Beloved, let me see here. The rest of the scripture down in verse 10. Oh, no. Let, let, me, let me back this up. Because I see a note that says, see Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, right? And Titus 3, 5, which state more or less that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Again, because you see, people think that when we teach holiness and righteousness and living clean and holy, that's works in order to hold on to your salvation. But beloved, guess what? 
these righteous works shows up automatically by Holy Spirit in the life of one who has truly been born again. This is how we live. We live with eternity in the forefront, in the forefront of our minds, souls, and hearts. Now that we are born again, we produce fruits in keeping with our repentance. So good works shows up. Yes, Holy Spirit, I believe I'm going to have to do another teaching on righteous fruit that shows up in the life of a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm just debunking the madness about eternal security. You have this this grand old entrance into the kingdom irregardless of how you live while still in the body suit. And according to the word of God, because there are a plethora of scriptures that debunks the madness of it all. No, you and I cannot live in sin, willful, blatant, deliberate, purposeful sin and still inherit God's kingdom. The answer is a big fat no. So I believe enough has been said. The bottom line to to all of this is that we must remain faithful to Jesus Christ. For he is coming quickly and he will give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So say Jeremiah 17 10. Beloved, that is why we cannot keep playing with our salvation believing in every wind of shifting doctrine. Therefore, I'm going to leave us with Ephesians chapter 4. Because see, if I had enough time, I was going to read the whole chapter. But let us skim me on down to verse... Um, Let's see. Because you see... When the Lord ascended, he gave gifts to men, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? Why did he do all of this, beloved? He did this according to Ephesians 4.12. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints. God's people for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that 
verse 14, Ephesians 4, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. Amen. And there we have that, beloved. Thank you, Father. Thank you for understanding. Thank you that we as your children will not any longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles in the fertility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. According to Ephesians 4.18, they are alienated and self-banished, banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. But Father, we know we did not learn Christ in this way if in fact we have really heard him and have been taught by him. Oh, Father. Thank you for your mercy. As we put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in your image, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God our gratitude for our salvation. Father, that's how we, your children, live. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, listen, I am way over my time. Beloved, live clean, be holy, do not grieve Holy Spirit. Do not let anyone talk you out of your salvation. And whatever you do, stop giving your money to wolves in sheep's clothing who care nothing about your soul. They could give two flips whether or not you make it into the kingdom just as long as you bring the bishop his tithes and offerings. Be not deceived, beloved. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God. Bye for now. Thank 
guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.